mean, let's just let's just get it out of the way mm. at the top of the show. Yeah. So everyone can decide whether or not they're going to listen to this one. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, that's a that's actually a good service that we're providing. It's true. Yeah, we just want to lay it all out on the <clears> table <throat> when we start. That way, you can decide how quickly you want to delete this episode. <laughs> right. I wish more podcasts did that. To be honest, but you know. yeah, I think I think that. Uh, that it's important to provide that service. Right. We are in for a truly spectacular adventure. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> and we just want to warn you about that. Um, but I do want to say this we aren't... absolutely spectacular. <laughs> we aren't going to be talking about... Um, what? The, the, the horse race, as it were. Um, because as Paul Krugman has pointed out, uh, actually what we're doing when we do that is grievance progressivism and we don't want to do that. We don't, right. uh, I mean, uh, here's the thing. We don't want to have grievances, you know, that would be bad. It would be bad to point out the complaints we have with modern society. To be honest, it's just not a good look. No, it's really just not a good look. Yeah. And we just want to do better. Yeah. You know, right. Shape up. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what, that's what we're working on. So, yeah, so we're not going to, we're going to discuss, we may discuss, you know, political related things, but not specifically pertaining to um, any sort of elections or whatever that are currently, may or may not be, be right. uh, progressing as right, it were. Right, right. So, yeah. Yes. We, the field, the field has unfractured. It has so. unfractured. I also see here that he used the phrase Bernista, which is not at all questionable is that a i mean i don't drink coffee is that a drink is that is that something no I no i think he's trying Starbucks? to make it sound like bernie people are basically the sandinistas or something which yeah thank, which is thank cool. you thank you paul krugman please go back to wherever it is you came from here we go indeed uh uh so in personal news i now <clears> have some personal I now have news 54 inches of display in front of me guaranteed have, to get it <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew now has 54 inches. <laughs> I, I upgraded my monitor setup. Of women. <laughs> I upgraded my monitor setup, so I now have two 27-inch oh! monitors. Yeah, no, that two. I'm... <laughs> two? Yes. Yes. It's good. I like it. I have lots of screen real estate, as they say. And it's free real estate. It actually wasn't free. It was rather expensive. How do you have them? How do you have them situated like one atop another, side to side, in like some sort of weird diagonal thing? Side to side. Diagonal. That would be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just imagining that. (laughs) Like the like the the British flag. I like it. Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) I can't stop thinking about it. I know. I don't. I don't even know if I want to tell our listeners. Right, because that'll be, it's like a, you can't unsee it kind of you thing. You can't unsee it once yeah. you see it. If you've seen it, yeah. if you know what I'm talking about, uh, listener, the, the please write into the show. Of the, uh, the, maybe that's not the right, I think that's the right <clears throat> word. I think it's maybe too right. I think you've said too much. I think you've chosen an explicitly perfect word. <laughs> Oh God! I I searched the dictionary app for ordinality, and it's taken me to the Wikipedia page for order type, and it says 
Two ordered sets X and Y are said oh to have the same gosh. order type if they are order isomorphic. That is, if there exists a bijection F such that X to Y. So anyway, <laughs> this is what I get for using a big word. <laughs> you worked for a company that was fixing bread prices. Mm. Mm. It's not. I don't know when it's when it comes into numbers. I don't understand anything. I like if, if anything that starts verging into math. I'm I'm out. I'm. Which is funny because like everyone, everyone like we talk to online all day is like all programmers and stuff. They right. like all com- computer people, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I guess I'm a computer people, but right, I'm not a maths people. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Um. I, we also have another. You have another announcement. Yeah, I'm pleased to announce. Uh, big news. I am now Trump's new chief of staff. I like it. Yep. Oh, sorry. I've actually resigned as of right now. Whoops. My bad. <laughs> months and months and he just tweeted it out. Yeah. I do. Lo- <laughs> oh, wait. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I Go do ahead, love Colin. that Mick Mulvaney is being moved to being the special envoy to Northern Ireland, <laughs> which is like being That's ambassador. So American. <laughs> it's like being the consul for, for Kansas. <laughs> That's so American. <laughs> Mick Mulvaney. Con- congrats of, to uh, Mick for the big career move. <laughs> speaking of empty, empty-headed conservative chuds. Yeah. Uh, um, I was uh, on YouTube, and being on YouTube means that you are given, uh, you are served uh, suggestions for PragerU videos, which is uh, the, how do the, you make it stop? How the, the Prager University, which is not an, a real university, it is in fact a series of five-minute videos, which are almost entirely. It's not wrong. an accredited institution. No, not at all. <laughs> I I was led to believe that it was accredited by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges, but apparently no, it's, it's accredited by the Pee Pee Poo Poo Association of uh, <laughs> Dumb Crappery. <laughs> Uh, we got him. What I I had to click on this video because the title was absolutely outrageous, and the title of this video is Israel. Oh boy, Israel, the world's most moral army. Here we go. And, and as what? you said when I mentioned this, you said definitely how I think of armies is in terms of their morality. Yeah. Anytime I'm making a a list a, a list of the armies, I'm like, all right, sort by morality. Hi, welcome back to WatchMojo.com. Well, we'll be counting down the top ten moral <laughs> armies, starting with number ten. Boy, you know it's eerie in here. <laughs> That's not right, dude. What is wrong with these people? So I watched the whole video, and the whole video is, of course, completely what? ridiculous. Wait, what? What? <laughs> well, it's only like five minutes. It's it's hosted by. This is by, why you keep getting served their videos. Well, yeah, I know. It's it's a. It's, I yes. Um, I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Uh, but um, so this video is hosted. Normally, they have some sort of um, right wing talking head moron host them, but this one was hosted uh-huh. by some sort of British colonel, or maybe lieutenant. I can't remember. Um, and he's like, you, you know, I served alongside. Uh, the IDF in something something whatever who cares um, and it was just a bunch of like anti-Palestinian uh, BS what's his name Colonel Kemp Colonel Kemp um, but then <laughs> I noticed Kemp. that along with each of their videos PragerU produces a study guide that goes with the video 
which oh. I guess you're meant to play these in like middle school social studies classes. Or it, let's be more honest for your homeschool children. Right. Yeah. So uh, five question quiz here um, as part of the study guide. There's also a bunch of like quotes and case studies uh, and key ideas, mm. discussion and review questions. Um, so let's see. What does it say here? Um, when explaining in part why the IDF, quote, does more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare, Colonel Kemp <laughs> shares with us that Israel is, quote, a decent country with Western values run on democratic principles. What do you think those Pain. Western values and democratic principles are exactly? How do those values you and principles translate to the military policy and actions for the IDF? <laughs> um, but yeah, so we just got... Um, I think you will be able to answer this quiz without even watching the video because the questions are so leading. So we're going to mm. we're going to go through it here. So number one, which army does more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare? A, the U.S. Army, B, Hamas, C, the IDF or D, the British Armed Forces. Um, you know what? I'm guessing it's the IDF. Uh, correct. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Um, Number two, the only reason Israel has ever gone to war is to defend itself. True or false? Uh, true, true. I want to say that is actually not wow. true. <laughs> <laughs> They've definitely been the aggressors in at least one of their conflicts. Uh, number three, what measures did the IDF take to give Gaza civilians notice of targeted areas during the 2014 war? A, they dropped millions of leaflets. B, they broadcast radio messages. C, they made tens of thousands of phone calls. Boy, this sounds like campaign canvassing. Or D, <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> um, wow, uh, all of the above. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Number four, what directives did Hamas give its own citizens during the Gaza conflict in 2014? A, forced civilians to stay in areas they knew would be attacked. B, told them to go to bomb shelters specifically built for them. C, report the number of Gazan civilians killed accurately. D, aid any injured Israeli fighter. I'm going to be honest with you. I started to tune out. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the correct answer is A, which is that Hamas apparently forced civilians to stay in areas they knew <clears throat> would be attacked. Knowledge. Yeah. Uh, finally, number five, the IDF is composed overwhelmingly of A, mercenaries, B, women, C, highly skilled snipers, or D, citizen soldiers. Uh, citizen soldiers. Yep. I mean, I would also say Bruh. highly skilled snipers, but <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't want to mention that. So, yeah, mm. no, this is, um, frankly terrifying that. <laughs> This is being used as like some sort of teaching material. That's so because if you ever, we should link the. Uh, there's a lots of videos taking down PragerU and how they lie to you. Basically, I mean straight yeah. up. So if you're not aware of them, I would congratulate you and also urge <laughs> you to continue to not be aware of them. But also, you know, yes, it's somewhat entertaining to watch how terrible these videos are, but they're presented. You know, it's like what. It's like when you watch a video, you aren't aware of all the the uh, uh, logical holes necessarily until you take a moment or until someone else helps pull them apart, I guess. But so. theirs, it's like, it's very, like, it's like from the moment they start, you're like, huh? 
Yeah, you're like, no, wait a minute. Right. Because, yeah, because I mean, they'll have videos with like some guy from Shell who's like, actually, climate change is great. And it's like, I, mm. (laughs) I think you mean shield. Yeah. Oh, yes. My bad. Shill. Yes. Um, Which is the problem is saying that gets you awfully close to just saying shill, which is also correct, I feel like. But yeah. Um, the yeah, shell, so the Royal Dutch know. Shell Petroleum Oil uh, Corporation, uh, is taking a very brave, bold stance for feminism on International Women's Day by adding an apostrophe so that it'll become the contraction "shill," as in "she will." Uh, which I guess I don't know. I guess we're what we're trying to do here is to empower women to destroy the environment and ruin the planet for generations in the future. I believe that is girl boss lean in feminism. Yeah, yeah, so. it's uh it's just beautiful. You love to see it. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Oh, it's a female-owned gas station too. Is important. Oh, right. Yeah. Women, you want you definitely want a women-owned business. <laughs> it, 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 did you see in it now that we're taking off the show notes, but um did you see what I sent you in Instagram oh, before you- the show? Um Where's my phone? I'm, I'm sure I saw. Oh, oh, there you go. I did not. So what say, I'm I looking at what I now. sent to you was a um, it was a bunch of other <laughs> corporations who yeah. who could do the same thing and what they just, could. Do you want to say gonna, some of those? We're just gonna go through them here. Uh, Miss Donalds, very good. <laughs> Gold Woman Sachs, <laughs> Gaytheon, <laughs> Horizon, <laughs> uh, Galliburton. <laughs> <laughs> Galliburned. Jen Hurl Motors. <laughs> that one is the best because it's all pink. <laughs> this one, which isn't different at all, but it's just TransUnion. <laughs> I like it. And Walma Hurt. <laughs> Walma Hurt. Uh, uh, Hoot Hers. And finally, Femron. <laughs> You, too, can fix energy market prices and result in blackouts uh, across California. What that's are you really turning into some kind of feminist? That's really one of what we want to teach the young women of the country. <laughs> really, that's, 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 that's important to the progressive cause. It really is, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that, that's what we're trying to get at. Not the grievance progressivism, but this kind of whatever this right, is. Right, the pr- proud progressivism. Right. Uh, now, speaking of progressives, you have started a project to taxonomize the types mm-hmm. of leftists. I tell you what, if there's something that I love, it's making lists. It's, of- yeah, ideally a sort of, <laughs> well, I love making not just a list, but a taxonomy with like a hierarchical relationship. A yeah, right. I, the, the thing, the, if you want to know, if you want to know something about a story about me that like tells you a lot about me mm. in a, in a very efficient way. It's that one time a friend of mine, friend, friend of mine, we were, we took an anthropology class together mm-hmm. and we got back and we were in uh, the sort of like student union area. And some, someone had given us just like a bag of old candy, just a tons of candy. Hmm. And we dumped the bag of candy out onto the big round table, you know, that they have there. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> we were looking at the candy and we just we just started taxonomizing the candy. 
and arguing about what candy goes where. Right. Well, you have like you have like the <laughs> the chocolates, and then you have like the hard candies. Um, right. You, you have the like flavorless wafers. Um, there's or the, like there's, the classical candies, like the old you can, style you candy. Can do, you can do by chew. You can do now, by is it a milk product or is it a fruit product? So right. we're doing this, and then uh, I think like three very attractive uh, women came to the table. Uh, cause I saw a table full of candy. Right. And they were like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, we're taxonomizing, uh, this candy. And they just like, I, I can't tell you, I can't even explain how quickly, like we hadn't even finished the sentence. They all three simultaneously turned around and walked away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, cool. We can get back to taxonomizing our candy. It's, so uh, yeah, uh, uh, not exactly a turn on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It would be for me, but well, yeah. uh, that's that's the kind of woman I'm looking for. Someone who, when you say we're taxonomizing the candy, is like, "Ooh, let me help." Yeah. <laughs> and then we so, have an argument over whether uh, whether uh, Tootsie Rolls are a kind of chocolate or not. <laughs> yes. Um, that's literally <laughs> what we were arguing about when they showed up. So I've start. I just randomly started making a taxonomy of the types of leftists because mm-hmm. there's been a lot of t- there's been a lot of talk about this in the discourse lately. You yeah, know, right? And like yeah. I, I I'm kind of new to the scene. I'm kind of an outsider here, so I'm just kind of like looking around and like how can I organize these people? Right. So like I I'm gonna go through the list, but I want to reach out to our listeners and I want you guys to submit um some taxonomies in our in our discord server or on twitter you know how do you now in as much as you can say i hate doing that i hate aping <laughs> other podcasts that people probably might not know about mm-hmm. but um if you how would if people... you want to reach us <laughs> yeah how uh, would they call do us that? beep us if you want to reach us uh well we are on twitter at no idea underscore show um right and then there is also a patreon for the good stuff network uh patreon.com slash good stuff fm i believe i think so right you can figure it out you guys know how to type you know uh, how to do a google search uh, and if you throw our um lovely uh, uh bosses some some dough uh some some dosh some coin um they will admit you into our inner circle which is a discord server and you can talk to us directly there um, and also yeah. submit your, uh, you know, a, a type of leftist that you think exists or something like that. So. Yeah, and I'm sure there's some we've missed out. So here's here's the list so far. First of all, the quick, the easiest one is the dirtbag leftist. Right? right, that's the one that's been in the news lately. Yeah, which we aren't going to um, talk about, but <laughs> we are going to talk about it. No, but they exist. Uh, I think another time, the next time I was kind of was thinking about is like anarcho food shelter squatters. Okay. That's another type of leftist. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, right. the I couldn't think of this next one. If, if you can think of a name for that, we'll skip that one. Um, so the name I thought of that was perhaps Robinson's. Oh. Because that, I think, is who you're, you're, you're uh, 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 modeling it off of, right? Yeah, I just put, like, insert clever name for current affairs dorks who are whimsical and maybe naive. Right, it's, it's, like a, it's like a socialist who wears a bow tie and a double-breasted <laughs> yeah. suit jacket for some reason. And you're just like, I mean, I agree with your ideas, but I'm not sure I agree with your aesthetic. 
<laughs> it's everything is art deco right, which i yeah, love exactly i mean yeah here's the thing i that is an aesthetic that i very much like but also it's kind of goofy but it's right. a, it's, it's like a bit endearing yeah it's 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 it's, it's a Folks, thing it's listen, definitely a type we love of the streamlined modern <laughs> the other the next kind was just canadians Oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like Canadians get their own subcategory of any taxonomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's always the Canadians. Um, and then we have reformed chav jihadists. Oh, okay. Which I, is, I don't, gonna I'm to, not going to, I'm going to leave it to you whether it was their reformed jihadists or reformed chavs. Reformed chavs. <laughs> it could be both. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> indigenous rappers is the next group. Okay. There's right. that's just a group. That's mm-hmm. a group of leftists. Um this one is is very if you're on if you're on uh the popular social media site TikTok, you will be familiar with this version. This is the Maoist Zoomer. Yeah. It's it's interesting. You get all types on TikTok and you'll get a lot of Trump people, but it's interesting when you get when you're on like a like a fairly like normal like uh uh Bernie tick like pro Bernie TikTok and the people in the yeah. comments are like Maoists and they're like upset because you haven't gone far enough. <laughs> like yeah. okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> there, I mean, I love them. They're yeah. to me, to me, I would never want to be on the wrong side of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would be. I'm very afraid of them, but yeah. I appreciate them a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just sort of their manic energy. Oh yeah, definitely <laughs> lifts my spirits. Um, then there's bread tube. Mm-hmm. That's a type of leftist, right? Um, yeah, just the just the 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 big the big YouTube fan person. They're they're like the leftists when they talk to you, they just stare at you and don't blink. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> and for some reason, the light behind them is like. A, a, a purple a bright color <laughs> like a it's magenta purple or blue or something <laughs> yeah <clears throat> um then the next type is professors who don't use the internet which is the only good kind of professor i feel like <laughs> yeah everything they have is like written on paper right they still use an overhead projector they have a tr- they have their notes are on a uh like a roll-up transparency like one of those roll transparency <laughs> they're like printed they're ne- they're not they've never changed right yeah <laughs> like they've always got a vis-a-vis marker in their <clears throat> pocket <laughs> uh the next is permaculturists who aren't libertarians now is that because a large number of people i feel like i would say about 50 percent of permaculturists so these okay. are like these are like uh eco agricultural type right people yeah. Uh I would say like 50% of them are like cosplaying Little House on the Prairie. Mm, okay. And 50% now, of them are like cosplaying the Paris Commune. Is it fair to say the <laughs> permaculturists who are libertarians are just preppers? <laughs> yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. They they in their YouTube channels like there's always a video about their their uh EDC for their guns. Right, and like the the emergency <laughs> water supplies they have. Those aren't the ones. This is this is where I keep the MREs. But the thing is, I still watch them because I like want to know how to can peaches. Like you know what I mean? Well, like, right, they know yeah. How to can I, I listen. I watch the MRE reviews because I'm gonna need to know which ones <laughs> taste best eventually. Yeah, I accept that's that. important. 
I not, get it. I'm not keeping like a palette of them, but I am going to have to know which ones are better. They're providing a service. It is. It's it's really important service. Maybe that's why we keep getting PragerU videos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> I wonder what the cross section is between Steve 1989 MRE <laughs> Info viewers and PragerU viewers. <laughs> What's the Venn diagram there? <laughs> Um, and then the last the one I thought of was small but sturdy Bolivians. Interesting. I don't yeah. know that I've encountered uh, someone like that in any uh, of my spaces, but it's extreme. They're ex- they're an extremely rare variety. Yeah. Well, they seem to be you know, lately endangered too. Mm, yeah. It's a, so yeah, it's a concern. That that just bummed me out. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, we invite you to submit your uh, uh, types of leftists to us so that we can expand this. And perhaps we'll put this somewhere once we feel like we have a complete. We taxonomy. do really need to. Ma- so who, somebody make us a wiki. We, do, we need a wiki. Well, I can this, make I us a wiki, but. Yeah. Well, make, we should make us a wiki because I'm, I'm starting to like not be able to. Like, we need to organize all this stuff. I yeah. think <laughs> to some sort I'm, of cohesive uh, right uh, around, theory. Right around season three of any show I do, I start like completely forgetting what we talked about before. Yeah, it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> so it'd be helpful we're, for me. We're gonna circle back in like season four. We're gonna be like, "Hey, have you heard of this Mike Rowe guy? Isn't he nutso?" <laughs> um, speaking of nutso and not a leftist and people um, who are bumming me out. <laughs> <laughs> Bloney Tear. Now Bloney, this was a, Bloney Tear, former uh, former premium minister for uh, uh, the United Kingdom from 1997 to 2007. Is that right? Yeah. The United the United Kingdom. The United the, Kingdom, the country with the problematic with, flag. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was a bad prime minister, and I want to be very clear about that. He was a bad prime minister because I saw. Wait, before we go on to this. I'm still confused. Did John Burkow endorse Bernie Sanders? Yes, he what? did. <laughs> John Burkow, a member of the con- former member of the Conservative Party. I feel like in the time that he was speaker, he drifted left and no one really think, noticed because it I wasn't th- like he was voting on anything. I think he got radicalized. I, I think he did. I think after dealing with all the Brexiteers, he was like, I can't even with you people anymore. <laughs> I can't wait for the video where he's going to appear with Philosophy Tube. Oh, that would be great. I, w- I want him to show up to a rally for Bernie for some reason. Just a Get second. Walk I got up on stage right and just now. be like, order. <laughs> John Burkow. Go on Philosophy, philosophy Tube Challenge 2K20. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but yes, uh, Tony Blair, who was a prime minister for the Labour Party, um, gave a speech at King's College London a couple weeks ago, and mm. uh, it was a speech about the uh, history of the Labour Party, which of course was a party that was um, pretty socialist in its origin. It was meant to advocate for the workers, um, you know, uh, has deep ties with trade unions, has supported lots of strikes or whatever. Um, it turns out in order to make this speech, Mr. Tony Blair had to cross the picket line uh, at King's College London. Um, and, and I feel like that's just sort of a microcosm of his whole thing. <laughs> that's just very emblematic. We have a we actually have a clip of his speech that I mm. want to play right now. Oh, please go there ahead. There it goes. 
if you want your candidate to win, you've got to shape up. That's interesting. I didn't realize that he <laughs> had that accent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to shape up. Right. Mike Bloomberg. Liberalism. Liberalism. <laughs> Mike Bloomberg is the only Democrat. <laughs> so Tony Blair crossed the picket line to yeah. give a speech about labor. You know, I it's just want to say, uh, not a good look. Not a good look. K. Magnifique. Speaking of not a good look, I've mm. sent something to our show notes that um, this is almost as bad as the thing I saw earlier today about the flag. Oh, God. Oh, I've opened it. Oh, God. <laughs> I hate this. I hate this. <laughs> this. Well, get used to it. This is the apartment uh, of the future. I do not like the this. <laughs> We just the said we liked of- Art Deco. This is like the this is like if you put a negative sign in front of Art Deco, this is what results. It looks like a Borg cube. The title of this column oh, is God. The Apartment Building of the Future is Here and it looks like a giant battery. It does. It looks like a piece of electronic equipment. It looks like a CubeSat or something. It looks like a Borg cube. Is it just that it's like covered? Are those like solar panels that it's covered those are with? Just so, it's just covered with solar panels. That's not... Do people not understand how solar panels work? You have to point them at the sun. <laughs> there's no... There's, it there's doesn't, really it, it doesn't no help to sun have, on the north side of a building It doesn't, in, in the northern co- uh, hemisphere. Well, and it doesn't help to have them at like a 90 degree angle to the sun, low to the ground on like the second floor. That's not efficient. This is a waste of solar panel. This makes me so angry. This is so poorly designed. <laughs> this uh, this <sighs> b- building is just like a photovoltaic atrocity. Yeah. Put them on the roof where it makes sense. Don't put them on the sides where it does not make sense. Uh, the, the solar panels are not efficient enough to warrant putting them on the side because you go would down, need so go, many of them. Go down to the last picture, too. Uh, this is the view from inside. So you're oh, you're looking out your... the window, and your views are interrupted by the solar panels at regular <laughs> intervals. They couldn't even keep the windows clear. Uh. It's it, so it literally obnoxious. looks like they built a building, and then they're like, "Well, crap!" And we should bolt on some solar panels with without thinking about and it. And the best thing is, like, the building under the solar panels. You could have like, you could have like painted it a bright color or something right yeah you but like so yeah, there is a corner up. there's a corner of the building that doesn't have panels mm-hmm. but it's painted the same black reflective yeah it's like charcoal color. gray which i want to say if you're aiming for an energy efficient building do not paint the outside <laughs> charcoal gray ah this is another thing that drives me up the wall the way they build things now is it's like let's just do everything we possibly can to make it uh, as like worthless as possible as far as like efficiency mm-hmm. like we're gonna plant trees um on on the sides of buildings that will never shade the building they yeah. will only shade themselves that we'll put the trees in an east west line so that they just continually shade themselves now now, the architect, uh, a man named Tim McDonald, who is also the front man for this project, always good to have your architect be also the person who's like overall yeah. in charge of it. Yeah. Uh, that's how you end up with projects like this. Um, it says uh, uh, he left horizontal openings between the tiers of panels so that every window has a partially unobstructed view. 
also says here, um, in contrast to the building's take-no-prisoners exterior, the interiors are full of small, thoughtful details that soften the experience. All of the apartments have real oak floors. So congrats. <laughs> congrats. Is oak like a sustainable wood? Like, it takes a long time to grow uh, oak. Probably not. I'm going to guess not. <laughs> no. Like, I'm sure if you're using them, like, in a small house, it's fine. But, like, in an yeah. apartment building, like, uh, you could just use, like, bamboo or something. These details, it says, make it possible to imagine living in one of the eight 300-square-foot micro-units, which are so small they come with their own folding Murphy beds. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> It's I don't, just this like, is this is dystopian. This is the sort of thing where they're going to charge you uh, $2,000 a month for that 300 square foot closet. Oh, oh, I'm so upset on my chair. I've slouched. I don't give me I, a second. I want to be clear. I want this building to collapse, but not while anyone's in it. I just want it to fall oh. down. Yeah. This is the thing. Sorry. Though, you know, we have these like green. I got so upset. I had moved like four feet away from my microphone. We, we have these green uh, 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 building standards. It's called the LEED rating system or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think it would be interesting to evaluate the sort of incentives that the, those standards lead to. But the thing here is, as they mentioned in the article, uh, they've gone far beyond that uh, into this sort of... I guess the whole thing here was like, oh, we need to make the building net zero. But you see that that's sort of impractical, like making... Making a single building net zero at the moment is not super duper practical. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't understand the point of buying so many solar panels, which will need to be regularly cleaned and are positioned uh, just, uh, in completely terrible areas versus just like, you know, like transitioning a power plant to be renewable. Seems I mean, easier. I think, I think I don't rooftop know. solar is good, but like if you're, but, but building top solar, like, whole building in solar what Roof, how much energy solar is good side of building solar not so good <laughs> how much energy are you going to spend on the lift that you're going to have to use to get the workers to be able to clean the panels right because they're going to have to clean them regularly also like let's look here at this first picture <clears throat> um the so the solar panels like the lowest down solar panels by the utility pole here do you think those are ever going to make an appreciable amount of electricity? Because I can tell you that they're not. <laughs> <laughs> that I mean, they're be they're currently being shaded out by the utility pole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's silly. This is silly. This is it's it's very silly, and I I hate it. There's a there's a balance it, to strike it. here, uh, uh, <laughs> which was not struck in this case. Like I'm all for like more energy efficient buildings. <laughs> You know, trying to build buildings that sort of breathe on their own so that you don't have to use AC or things like that. And yeah. putting solar panels on the roof where it makes sense. Uh, this is not that. <laughs> this is not it. This is not this. This ain't it, chief. Yeah. The this and the, the, speaking of dwellings, this this made me think of something this week. I, I saw a lot being talked about uh, the, those most livable cities lists. Oh, yeah. We love it. <laughs> and I've always had a problem with those. And every time I bring it up, everyone's like, oh, you're just a big whiner. Mm. Um, but now, well, the, can you tell me uh, <clears throat> uh, what livability is <laughs> that? Well, that is the thing. So City yeah. Lab, uh, which, you know, I, I got to hand it to him. Right. The, the uh, municipal laboratory. C City Lab is published by our good friend Mike Bloomberg. Oh, lovely. And. 
<laughs> it, it it published two pieces recently that that are pretty great one is is vienna really all that livable depends on where you look mm. <clears throat> and it basically shows that like all of these livability indexes do not count the things that would most affect like normal workers and poor people huh so like yeah, the most the most beautiful luxury con luxury high rises in uh, Manhattan are great for like the people that can afford them, but like yeah, <laughs> the people who are homeless. Uh, yeah, I'm sure <laughs> your penthouse is very livable. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's I mean it doesn't even include things like like uh, smog and like noise pollution access to green space uh <clears throat> yeah so uh, now you're telling me that all of these things matter yeah mm, hmm. yeah um hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. they have like Turns a flag out. of like environmental burdens and uh, socioeconomic status like you overlay them and you we can say like oh put an end to this madness <laughs> where all the poor people live in vienna is uh is the it place with the highest areas? concentration of uh, environmental burdens. Hmm. Very hmm. livable. Hmm. And and when I saw this, it made me think about a, a a thing that we've brought up before in the in a good old chestnut of this show is the for who <laughs> right. question. Yeah, exactly. So whenever you see a livable cities list or the top cities for any list um, like that, you just got to ask yourself, well, for who? Like. Right. For who are these cities most livable? Mm -hmm. And it's usually for the wealthy people. <laughs> so then they have yeah. a list of the best cities and, and worst cities for if you are a black woman. So it's kind of like taking that into account. Like, so here's, here's the list of best cities, but what if you were a black woman in those cities? Like how, uh, how dif disparate would your experience be to what this list is claiming? I, I have a feeling these like livability things are just like a tourism economic development con anyway. I'm uh, pretty sure they yeah. are. Just like um, if you grease the palms of the people, <clears throat> you know, making the list, then they bump you up or whatever. Whatever realty well, they association. Always, they always put, yeah, they're like, it's like, oh yeah, you know, uh, like Detroit, Cleveland, not livable. And it's like, Okay, well, you saying that it's not livable is not going to help improve things there, you know? I don't know. <laughs> Who's this yeah. supposed to help? <laughs> Who is this for? Yeah. Who's this supposed to help? Um, so, yeah, I just, I just wanted to share that. And, and uh, so hopefully I've said this and I will no longer be shown most livable cities lists. Um, because people that's my hope. I, I mean I yeah I do the same thing where I block every <laughs> Instagram ad that I see <laughs> I'm trying to get it to learn to not show me ads so well, hopefully speaking of the Israeli defense uh, oh. fascists the no, they, uh, problematic <laughs> <laughs> sir they sir <laughs> they they I mean I I keep getting suggested uh, Instagram accounts of like uh, they seem like only fans for uh, IDF people. Oh, so lovely. it's like it's like sexy, heavy chested IDF women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't want. I please stop. Yeah, <laughs> please stop putting this in my like explore page. I just I just want to see cactuses and crops 
and and bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. I do. I don't need chesty IDF ladies. Yeah. No. No. I don't what see the. We? Yeah. I. I think it's been reported before that the IDF does do like PR stuff based on like, oh, look, we have attractive women who serve in the IDF, which is just really ridiculous. <laughs> it's just gross. It's just like, ah. Yeah. Anyhow, what were we talking about? <laughs> Speaking of fascists, um, uh, anything else? <laughs> the the last thing we were going to talk about today, like the, the big the big topic here. Um, wait, wait, let me guess. Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I was wrong. We're talking, and I'm sorry. <laughs> now, apparently, he's a huge champion of uh, of fighting this oh lovely is yeah. it um well no never mind continue it's climate change <laughs> oh. oh we yeah. love it folks mike bloomberg has like done more for uh, this is what i've learned from necktie twitter is that he's done more to help climate change than any other person because he shut down more coal plants than anybody else but they won't tell you you know how much investing he's done in uh fracking and uh, natural gas but yeah. you know yeah Mm-hmm. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. He he moved his money around. <laughs> so he helped. Right. Yeah. You just move it from one place to another. I saw this article in uh I don't know where was it uh the Reuters mm-hmm. called Homesteaders Catastrophists Run for the Hills to Flee US Uncertainty. So hmm. it talks about the new homesteaders movement. Which is I've alluded to many times. I'm I'm watched those YouTube videos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, if you're a homesteader on YouTube, I'm probably following you. Yeah. I'm probably subscribed. I probably hit that bell. Mm-hmm. And uh, this article is about how there are these like two camps of people. So they're either fleeing impending eco fascism or they're fleeing socialist revolution. Like when they interview these people, those are the two things right. they say, which yeah. is really interesting, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> they both point to a fact that something is going on. Yeah. <laughs> and these people realize it and it makes them nervous and they they leave. Um, so you've got some of them are like, uh, there's this, these people, this realty company in North Carolina, this guy's saying, I've had head fund managers and billionaires that have made purchases and they all have concerns about the direction of the economy and social stability. Uh, so really cool to hear that this is like, you know, hearing that billionaires are buying property in, you know, remote New Zealand to build bunkers. Whenever I hear stuff like that, I'm just like, oh, so they know, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> and they have the ability to prepare for it. But something about it just kind of bothers me because the, like, the, the answer isn't, oh, we should do something about the problem. It's like, well, let's just run away. Yeah. And, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to hide in my bunker. Yeah, that's something that's always kind of bothered me about homesteading, about that whole kind of movement, because it's kind of like uh, it's a very individualist, it's kind of like, like extremist very, individualism. Yeah, and it's like, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do for me and mine, right? And like, I get it, I get where that comes from. You know what I mean? But right, yeah, but yeah, it just it bothers me. Uh, 
And and what bothers me too is that you have to they they will always homesteaders like on YouTube uh will always frame it as it's a sacrifice and we sacrifice to do this, but they never talk about how it came to be that they had the funds to make that change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even, even some of them like, and this is the same thing with the uh, minimalist people too, is they, they have this spiel that they give where they say something like, I quit my corporate job and I sold my house. And it's like, well, how much money did you save up right, yeah. being at your <laughs> corporate job? And how much equity did you have in that house? Like, where did that wealth come from? What did you do to get it? You know, they talk about it as if it's a positive thing, like it's a brave thing. Right. Folks, it's not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. So there's definitely a trend. All the realty people are talking about it. and. uh I mean, like, as somebody who would love to live that kind of lifestyle, like, I, like I've talked about, I have extreme Hobbit tendencies. Uh, it's it sucks, but it's it's just like, ah, uh, it's kind of annoying. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, speaking and 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 in that same vein of like climate change and like this kind of impending catastrophe that like there's just like existential anxiety that I think everybody kind of feels unless you like completely Mm -hmm. (laughs) dissociate Mm -hmm. like you just watch fox news all day i guess um this is another climate change article that uh we had sent our way and it's about it's about sheol (laughs) oh yeah love it Mm -hmm. Uh, a reporter from the from new york magazine went was embedded at a conference of shell where they talked about uh climate change and how they would how the company was going to deal climate change Mm. deal with climate change and it's very interesting because like one of the first things he found was like people talking about like uh like well let's be honest we have to be honest about the problem of democracy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ah, this is like this is my big thing problem of democracy Right. So there's <laughs> there's this like and it's funny because masks are coming off more and more. Oh, there's a lot like, of masks oh. on the floor lately. <laughs> people people really just don't believe in democracy. Like, no, and they, they don't. see that as the problem. Yeah. They're prepared to entertain it for as long as it happens to work like in their favor. Yeah. But as soon as it it's doesn't. Not, it's not their complete lack of morality or ethics. That yeah. can't possibly be the problem. No, no. <laughs> So it's like uh, they 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 show like a graph of Chinese social media showing how many trees the country's planting. Uh, a patriotic retort to the Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg oh, for had a real effect on the room. <laughs> cool. uh, right. Thank you, thank thank you for planting trees. Real good work. <laughs> good job. Regional experts from Sub-Saharan Africa and the Middle East, North Africa, also entertained the democracy question, pointing to Iraqi disillusionment with voting and economic growth in Rwanda under Paul Kagame. Is that how you say his name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's technic quote, he's technically a dictator, but it's working. Oh, yeah. No, that's, uh, yeah. That seems great. 
The Chinese, he gets results. The China I expert like said that said the average regional communist party official is probably more accountable for his or her performance than the average UK member of parliament, a claim no one in the room full of Brits seemed to find objectionable. Nice. The moderator didn't pose the question to me, the American expert, presumably because our national sense of democratic entitlement is inviolable. So it's oh, just dear. funny, like, <laughs> he starts off realizing, like, okay, these people, uh, see, democracy isn't the, is the problem, not capitalism. And then he points out some really interesting ways where it's like, fossil fuel companies are not going to stop without being made to. Right. Like, no, they're, yeah. The, <laughs> their whole model is based on keeping going. Right. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's. Like. Yeah, I don't know a way for them to pivot to something new. Their 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 model, their incentives don't allow that to happen. You know, they. I mean, they literally like if they have a fiduciary responsibility, they they literally can't. Right. Because all of their all of their profits are based upon the the possible future profit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because exactly. they're digging wells and because they're going to pump more oil. He says he says there's little doubt that fossil fuels are culturally speaking on the wrong side of history, but there is still a lot more money to extract from those wells and the fossil fuel businesses are intent on extracting as much as they can. It's not necessarily such a bad time to be an oil and gas company in other words, but it is a bad time to look like one. These companies aren't planning for a future without oil and gas, at least not anytime soon, but they want the public to think of them as part of the climate solution. In reality, they're a problem trying to avoid being solved yeah they're just trying to you know like get as much of it as they can before it ultimately collapses you know i, I yeah. don't know if they i don't know if they realize that it's going to collapse they might and either they don't care you know so and it's interesting because he shows how in this climate change thing the that most of the time that they spent was talking about how they can co-opt movements oh lovely yeah we love that we love to do i mean we've we've I've read before from that website that's, uh, what was it, the Keep It Grounded in Fact website. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's all this stuff. The thing is, it doesn't work. Uh, but So, you know, I welcome them to waste all of their money trying to well, astroturf nonsense. Well, I don't know, nonsense. dude. Reading this, it's not even turf stuff. They're actually, like, co-opting the actual movements is mm. what they're looking to do. Well, isn't and that, I mean, this it there wasn't with a fossil fuel uh, company, but there was a, a, a news story from a couple weeks ago about uh, the Extinction Rebellion like uh, sect in yeah. London that partnered with the Metropolitan Police. <laughs> yeah, well, and and there's like they, I guess they had some Extinction Rebellion dude at this thing too. Oh, that, that okay, had, great, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, the I think the the main. One of the main points he makes too is that like, this is a is Hydra. proud to partner with Shell. <laughs> well, yeah. Th so like this is a Hydra. So like yeah. you can cut off one part of one head, and they're just gonna move into something else because right. they have all of the money and all of the power. Yeah. And so like the only way to actually address it is to seize the money and power. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. all you can do. Right. So like that 
this 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 end here where he says shell's concern deeper than its fossil fuel identity and more urgent than the climate crisis is shell i don't believe it's going to lead us to paris climate goals paris climate goals and shell probably doesn't believe it will either mm. but in order to survive and keep the bottom line growing i'm convinced the company do will will do whatever it has to be done whether that's networking solar panels systemic human rights violations or both maybe it will even make some incidental progress along the way depending on where the subsidies are but there's no comprehensive <laughs> if they vision have time for a livable <laughs> future here <laughs> there's no ethical imagination no morality to speak of it's unfit to lead like so yeah, it's no, important I, to pay attention to this kind of crap because when you when you see the dialogue and the discourse of climate change and the plans everyone wants to nibble at the edges they want to like work within these systems right like one of the one of the problems with like I was it was funny cuz someone asked me be- be- about the differences between like candidate A and candidate B mm-hmm. um on the, cuz they like they were they perceived that their climate pro- their climate goals were like the same oh yeah no, uh. and so <laughs> and so i like just wrote up a list and it was like mega long and like even just looking at the list of like subtle and like little kind of differences obscures the fact that like one candidate's goal was to phase phase in a better system, mm-hmm. right? And the other candidate's goal was to completely destroy one system by replacing it with another mm-hmm. and not allowing the other system to continue alongside the, the, the new right. one. Yeah. And, and, and that's the only way it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise they keep their money, they keep their power. It, it, it's never going to change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These, these, these companies, they're just, I don't know how we survive as long as they survive. It just doesn't seem. Yeah, because like to me, this is like the example is like if if cigar if if we allowed uh if we allowed cigarette vending machines to still exist everywhere, but we made them sell Nicorette patches. Right. Yeah. Which they which they also manufactured. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the same idea like uh this is not solving the problem yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> we we've and replaced the cigarettes with vapes <laughs> the, the you there's also you know people talk about cap and trade mm, mm-hmm. which in my mind i always think of cap and trade like cap and crunch right yes uh captain trade but uh ProPublica found that countries have called california's cap and trade program the answer to climate change but uh the result of it is that the state's biggest oil and gas companies have actually polluted more since it started. Yeah, because they can just like trade uh, credits, right? And then they get permission to pollute more, basically. <laughs> it's like that famous um, Freakonomics example of the, uh, the child care place in Israel mm-hmm. where they were tired of people showing up late to pick up their children. So they started uh, telling people there's fees for like every minute you're late, you're going to have to pay like five bucks or something mm-hmm. thinking it would curb it. But then people were like, oh, well, now I know the price of. Right. Like, when oh, I wow, that's to- cheaper than I thought. Well, heck. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, well, it's worth it to me. Yeah. Now I will let you hold on to my children for like four hours later because I can afford it. So it like did not fix the system. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Well, and this is, you know, this is at play too in the um, corporate average fuel economy or cafe standards here in the U.S., which is, um, I don't know exactly what the standard is this year. It's probably something close to like 26 MPG or something. Um, but um, companies that exceed it, um, which is to say have good fuel efficiency across their whole portfolio of vehicles, they get credits, um, mm. which they can then sell to companies that don't meet it. And so what this means is that like, on average, fuel economy is good, but when you look at it, it's actually that, like, there's a handful of really fuel-efficient vehicles, i.e., like, Teslas. <laughs> Tesla makes a lot of its money from selling credits to other automakers who right. make mostly, like, trucks. Uh, and right. so, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't actually fix the fundamental problem. No, it, it hasn't really, yeah, it hasn't pushed things that much. Yeah, yeah. The, the the other thing is too there's this article that i put in here like last year from from axios of all places hmm. but they basically talk about the they make this really good analogy they say like adding salad to your pasta doesn't help you lose weight adding cleaner energy <laughs> to a world run on fossil fuels won't cut greenhouse gas emission yet that's what we're doing now right you have to you have to <laughs> stop eating the pasta and start eating the salad yeah. Like you that's, said, you that's can't, how it works. I'm I'm doing a just transition from pasta to salad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just transitioning as slowly as Listen, it's not possible. fair to just throw the pasta away. You know? Yeah. We have the pasta. We need to use it all up before we get rid of it otherwise it's wasteful. Now, did you put this article? Now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't even know what this is, but it's Zen and the Art of Panning Straws. I put this in like a month, like months ago. Uh, yeah. I'm struggling to remember what it's about, but I think that the nut of it is um, it's about like all the plastic straw bans from 2019 yeah. um, and how everyone just sort of got like annoyed with it because we, you know, it's like, well, but bl banning plastic straws isn't going to fix climate change, you know, and like one person choosing not to, to use a plastic straw isn't going to fix climate change. But the point that this article makes is that it was useful in that it brought that principle to wider awareness, um, oh. which is to say that like, yes, it's an accelerationalist it's, environmental policy. <laughs> well, it's uh, more uh, like accelerationism of consciousness. Well, it's more like, yes, you are correct that banning, that like you choosing not to use a straw is not going to help climate change. But like regulations on the whole banning things do have an effect, um, you know, mm. and that's why we need to think about things like carbon pricing and, uh, you know, other sorts of regulations or whatever. I don't know. There was the quote from like, what was the CNN climate change form? They asked Liz Warren about light bulbs or whatever. <laughs> uh, bulbs. Because that was, that was back when Trump was like, oh, we're going to let you have incandescent light bulbs again. <laughs> Make America incandescent again. Yeah. So, Inshallah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days we'll get our, our Edison bulbs. Yeah. Everywhere. Listen, I want the orangest possible light. <laughs> Oh, right. Like, no cap, though, I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just have to get hue bulbs and turn them all orange. Um, I like how you're saying that like I haven't already done Oh. That. I have no idea what I'm doing. I was not prepared for this. I'm trying and I'm learning. Thank you for your patience. 
There's so many mistakes I have already made But I'm working to be better day by day And I think I'm gonna make it But for now I'll say I have no idea what I'm doing I have no idea what I'm doing